There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Welcome to the family with Kevin Pittman. Coolest mom ever, I was told this morning. Alex Bergrass was in. Oh, second uh, coolest yeah. mom ever. No, I, mean, maybe. I, I am maybe. the uh, I'm the child uh, puncher, Catherine <laughs> Brand. Oh, I can't puncher. wait to wow. tell that story. Can't wait to tell it. And yeah. Andy Rappernard. <laughs> we'll be right back with a punching story and, and how I have to get a new right cheek because of Sagey. Oh my God. You see yeah, that what he did? Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little bruise there. Yeah, just a little. I did the, did the where you go to a kid and you go, that, you know, buzz his neck because mm-hmm. it tickles. He tries it on me. You know, instead of buzzing, he bit me. I'm like, oh, no. and those little baby <laughs> teeth are plenty works. sharp, baby. I'll sharp. tell you that. Holy Hannah. Those yeah. baby teeth are sharp as hell. Anyway, we'll be right back. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who have been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know, And that's exactly my my question is, you have to understand who has the best, your best interest in mind, correct? Well, you want to know what your rights are. You know, whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not, that's a choice. It's a free consultation, and you want to understand what your, all your rights are and what coverages you have. And plus the fact, I hang out with you, so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if I'm hanging out with you. Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Tommy, how long have you been at KQ? 36 years now. Wow, that's loyalty. Well, if I'm completely honest, it isn't the company that I'm loyal to. It's the listeners. I figured out a long time ago they're the only reason I have a job. Why are you asking? Well, we had another great month at Coon Rapids Nissan and Burnsville Nissan. In fact, Burnsville continues to be the number one Nissan store in Minnesota. The loyalty part. Get to the loyalty part. Oh, yeah. This month, if you buy or lease a new Rogue or a Pathfinder from us, we'll give you an extra 500 off as long as you own or are leasing a Nissan. That is cool. Do they have to trade it? Nope. It's just a reward for being loyal. 
By the way, the new Pathfinder is fantastic. It's got a nine-speed transmission, and JLo says it'll practically pull the building. We also cut a deal with our good buddy Charlie Swenson, who's running a Nissan store in Chicago. He gave us some extra rogues. Because Charlie's such a nice guy. Well, Paul might have threatened him. Sounds like Paul. For details, go to Walzer Nissan or Coon Rapids Nissan and claim your loyalty gift. Tommy, give him some Elvis loyalty. Thank you. Thank you very much. There are definitely things to avoid during a Minnesota winter, like licking a flagpole or waiting too long to replace that car battery. But number one on the list is taking a chance on your furnace. Hey, Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning, reminding you that a furnace clean and tune will improve efficiency, reliability, and peace of mind. Or maybe it's time to take advantage of Sabre's rebates and upgrade to an energy-efficient Bryant system. Don't take chances on your comfort. Visit SabreHeating.com. Sabre and Bryant. Whatever it takes. Okay, before we kick things off, we have to tell a story. Catherine and I watched uh, Fawny and Sage on Friday, Saturday, and, and the early part of Sunday. Dan and I did a staycation. At a the staycation. Blue. Yeah, they went to the Ransom Blue. Mm. So <laughs> at one point, I do the buzz cheek with, uh, with, or I actually did it on his neck where you, you go on their neck and it tickles. So Sage, he's going to do it to me, and he uh, apparently didn't figure out the ins and outs of it because he bit me on the cheek with the sharpest baby teeth on the planet. Oh, yeah. He's got, like, it looks like Dracula got at your cheek. And, oh, and mm-hmm. he broke a couple of capillaries around oh, I know. Yeah. So it was a doozy. A it was a doozy. No, we say that Sage is like a cat because he'll, like, play, you know, and then all of a sudden he'll just, like, bite you, not trying to be mean. You know, yeah, cats that is how play cats by cats And then, like, my he son does get that. very excited. My son does that because he's done that once to both Dan and me where he's bit us so hard that we're like, oh, my God. Okay, now here's the best part of the story. So he comes up to me yesterday. We're at the Golden Valley Pool. And he comes up to me, and he, he leans against me. He goes, Bop, Bop, I'm sorry I bit you the other day. I know it hurt. And I said, yeah, you're right. It did hurt. There's no question. But you do know that I love you very, very much. And he goes, yeah. Nana punched me. <laughs> I am here to tell you that anybody thinks that a child can be a witness yeah, to really. anything in the world. They live in imagination land. You are land. wrong. Yeah. Even Fawn, Fawn was like, I was reading her last night, and oh, I was like, God. I was like, oh, did you? No, listen to this. I mean, yeah. it's, it goes on oh, and on. God. I was reading Fawn last night before bed, and I was like, we were reading this book called Rocks a Boxin, and I was like, did you read Rocks a Boxin with Nana? And she was like, no. <laughs> and I was like, what did you read? Did you read? What did you read with Nana? She's like, nothing. <laughs> Lie. I was like, Nana didn't read to you the whole time she was here? No. Lie. No. I was like, so if I call Nana right now and I ask, did you read anything to Fawn? She's like, well, she did read me Bad Case of the Stripes. And I was like, no. okay. Right. Was that before or after lie. she got punched? The punch. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> before lie. or after the punch. And exactly. then we were like, well, what was your favorite thing that you did this weekend? She was like, puzzles with Nana. Which we never did. <laughs> Which they never did puzzles. <laughs> she was like, I did, well, she was like, I did the... I, I, was, like, I was like, oh, did you do your... Because she has like this kit thing that it's four different little puzzles. So I was like, oh, did you do those puzzles there? And she's like, no, I did the fish puzzle, which is for like 18-month-old Didn't babies. Do it. No. Yeah. I was like, why would you do that uh-huh. puzzle? It's for she's babies. She's making it up as she goes along. Yeah, she's... All right, I'm going to dial our guest now. She's okay, i got to tell you one thing before you, our guest comes They are not on. reliable people no. to no, tell any good. truths whatsoever. Yeah. Before our guest comes on, I don't know if you're going to be able to get... Uh, 
call the guy in London on Skype. I don't know. Oh, if we have his work. other number too. Oh, you have his other number. We do. That's what Cassie said. No, we can slog uh, through it. I know of no other number. I put his backup phone number in just in case. Okay, well, we'll figure it out. No, I forgot what the hell I was going to say. What were, what were we talking about? We were talking about toddler unreliable mm-hmm. Yeah, witness. not calling them to the stand yeah. well, like anytime. Oh, no, this not. was totally different. Oh. So Catherine and I, I rode with Catherine to come over here today. I said, I got to duck into men's room, and then I'll be right down the hall. Why? Why me? Oh, my God. Another poop story. (laughs) Another poop story. Not one, but two guys dropping a deuce at the same time. (laughs) Worst nightmare. It's the worst Worst nightmare. nightmare. See? Kevin knows. Like no, I'm talking about like if I was in the bathroom and then somebody else also now has to come. Uh, oh yeah. Next, yeah. Nope, can't do it. <laughs> just clench, clench up. I will sit in silence. <laughs> carry around until he leaves. Carry around for free. David Lyon, how you doing, David? Is this Tom? It is Tom. How are you, sir? I'm extremely well. I'm very pleased to be on your show. Well, we're pleased to have you. I cannot believe this. A beautiful <laughs> signal. You're in London, correct? Yeah. Well, I, well, I'm in Wales, actually, but oh, even Wales. closer to the U.S. But yeah, we have we have internet here, even in these rural That's locations. That's very funny, David. <laughs> the name. No, it just sounds like you're in a studio. It, it does. does. It sounds, sounds, sounds nice. Sounds I'm, pleased, I'm ple- pleased to hear it. So I'm sitting right here, and by the way, Barnard, my last name is is actually Scottish, so I'm a semi countryman anyway. There Same island know. anyway. We had. You, you, you know, there was a there was a huge scandal here. Well, it was a kind of a joke in the middle of lockdown, and that happened at a place called Barnard's Castle. Oh yeah, up in Cam- County Durham. You heard about that? Oh, I've been there. Yeah, I've been to that castle. I tried to well, tried to get the keys, but they wouldn't give them to me. They tried to storm it. The um the the the, the, the prime minister's closest political advisor was was found going there in the middle of lockdown, and he made up this ridiculous excuse that he was just testing his eyesight. <laughs> Um, and, and and since then it's been a, well there's even a there's even a beer you can have you know I'm uh, eyesight tests at Barnard Castle at Barnard so, Castle yeah anyway it's a sort of English joke at the moment but I mean anyway uh. David I have to tell you and I'm very serious and it's not just because of, you know the the name and all the rest of it spent some time in uh, in Ireland England Wales uh, you know in Scotland what a beautiful beautiful area and the people could not have been nicer wonderful people what did you do right <laughs> you think that's what it was I did, did something not right talk about politics no I didn't talk about politics yeah that's <laughs> no. probably the that's number one thing that's true no nah, they were just they were great but to close that, that that whole line of thinking, um, in Scotland, I'm a pretty large person at that time. I was even even bigger than I am now. And mm-hmm. every man in Scotland came up to me and said, do you want to wrestle? <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> what? Okay, well, no, but... That must have been Glasgow or something. <laughs> uh, you are absolutely right, David. Very yeah. good. Yes, it was Glasgow. Yeah. Exactly. That's wonderful. Yeah. Um, the book is called The Long War, The Inside Story of America and Afghanistan. David, before we launch into the book, I'm, I'm trying to watch the news here in America right now is, is unbelievably annoying because you only get two views. You get the far left view and the far right view. There's nobody in the middle and everything's a disaster. Is everything on the news over there a disaster as well or do they give you some breathing room? I think... Um 
I think the, the 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 distance between left and right is is slightly different here. Oh, okay. Uh, the you know the so the uh, you know what you would see as 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 pretty left wing is probably closer to the centre of British politics. Um, but leaving that aside, there is certainly a a lot of criticism of of the government from all sides, even from, I mean, from people who didn't want troops to go into Afghanistan. Right. Um, at the moment, so I think uh, it, there's a pretty strong sense across the board, and actually there's there's quite a lot of a lot of sense of, of betrayal. That's a word that's been used um, mm-hmm. uh, by the United States in terms of the of the way that this decision was done. Not well, necessarily the decision to leave, but the way that it was done. Well, David, we feel the same way here in America that the, what we did to everybody in the world, and I still will never understand. I, I should point out, by the way, uh, that I, I'm a pretty much a centrist. I'm not too far left and too far right, so they all drive me crazy, which is an unfortunate <laughs> position. But I, I just, everybody's going, why would you do They left anywhere between 15,000 and 45,000 American alone and then when you add all the people together they abandoned so many people and now they're trying to say oh we got it covered don't worry about it I, I, what do we what happened David why why did President Biden even think of doing it that way I think there was a, a much wider expectation that Afghan forces would last longer than they did and uh, there was this there was this question and in fact the Afghan government said, you know, don't evacuate your people early because that'll look like you're abandoning the country and it'll have the effect of of, of collapsing um, Afghan forces. So, uh, and the fact that, I mean, I was, look, I was wrong. Everyone who knows about Afghanistan was wrong. I was talking to very senior British military officers only a week before the fall of Kabul and they were saying uh, the Taliban will last out, you know, potentially for, uh, that the, the government forces will last out potentially for a year. And we were all wrong. Right. Um, and it all it all moved very quickly. So I think to cut President Biden a little bit of slack, um, there was a, it, it, the fact that the country just collapsed overnight last weekend, you know, was a real surprise. Well, it was brought up on a July 12th memo, though, by several people. And the president saw it and General Milley yeah, but saw you know, it. You know, you know, you know what intelligence assessments are like. Well, um, that, that's they, true. They have, they have two ends. One is it's all going to hell in a handcart tomorrow, and the other is it's going to be fine until Christmas. And uh, you know, so so when so politicians decide between those two extremes, and you know they took a decision. Um, and of course, intelligence people are able to come out and say, Look, "We wrote you the memo, which said it was all going to collapse tomorrow." Um, but that wasn't the centre of the memo. Um, right. So I think, I think it's very easy for people after the event uh, to be clever. And I think it was far harder to predict. And the, the, the problem was that we just we saw Afghan forces, particularly special forces, some 30,000, 40,000 really well-trained special forces, as holding out longer than they longer than they did. And at the end of the day, there were lots of good soldiers who did want to hold out, um, who were uh, effectively just steamrolled by the pace of the collapse. General David Petraeus, one of the people I interview right. in the book, the former former CENTCOM commander and former commander in Afghanistan and Iraq, uh, one of America's leading uh, generals, you'll know, um, uh, he came out with this line this week that it was an epidemic of surrender. And I think that, that certainly happens in armies. You know, once it becomes clear that everything's collapsing in front of you, 
then you're just going to take your uniform off and, and, and go home if you can. As well as that, it does look as if the Taliban have paid off a number of commanders. Right. Uh, the army was hollowed out by corruption. Um, and there was quite a successful Taliban deception operation in the last couple of weeks before they took Kabul, um, where soldiers were told that if they uh, stood down, then there'd be an interim government and there'd be a... Um, there'd be a sort of peaceful transition and President Ghani would no longer be in power. President Ghani, by the end, was quite an unpopular figure, a very remote figure. Um, so I think, you know, all of those things came together. And, and the army, the Afghan army, literally just disappeared as if it never existed. Yeah, no, we had, we had four with Biden. We had four American presidents involved in this. We had two Republicans and we had two Democrats. And that will show you... Uh, David, exactly why I, I am a centrist. <laughs> I, did any of them do a good job with it? I think there were, there were mistakes made all the way through. Right. And I think my, my view, and I, I write about this in quite a lot of detail in the book, is, is that in the early period, um, President Bush and his administration, okay, it came out of a clear blue sky. And so, you know, understandably, there was no preparation for the right. war in right. Afghanistan. But there was also no way of doing these kinds of things. And there'd been a very strong sense in the Bush administration in the election before they came in in 2000, 2000 2001, that, uh, that they wouldn't do nation building. They were very contemptuous of Clinton for, you know, a lot of the things that happened in the 1990s. And of course, most, you know, most notoriously Black Hawk Down in Somalia. Right. So... That was the lowest moment of American intervention, but there was some, you know, there was some. Is there some anything with coffee? There was, yeah. Say again? Oh, there's somebody okay, else. Think... Mike Bryant is on the line, but I don't think he knows that. Mike, are you with us? I am, but I just put myself on mute. Okay, thank okay. you. We'll be, did you, though? <laughs> <laughs> are you sure you did? All of a sudden, David, you're a very popular man. We have attorneys calling in, you know. Uh, but, yeah, Mike will be with us in a bit. Um, okay. Oh, I didn't so, know if so, Mike had a question for David or not. No, he's just calling in, I think. Oh, okay. Tell us he's having a wonderful time. All right, then. So it all works out. Yeah, I, it, David, it's a situation where I watch these things go on, and, and uh, obviously uh, I didn't know closely a person who died in uh, on 9-11, but I knew parents of people who died, and how tough that all was watching that whole situation. So I understand the great emotion at the very beginning of it, but I, I really never did understand why we didn't set a nice timetable, have a nice pace, make sure everyone's safe. And now they're trying to say on the American news channels that uh, none of the Americans or anybody of uh, the Afghanis who are going to come to America, none of them are being mistreated by the Taliban, which apparently is a total lie. Well, yes, I mean, it is a lie. I mean, what's going on on the ground is terrible outside yes. of the cameras. There is, yes. there is a, you know, and in many ways, I mean, Tom, I spent a lot of time in Afghanistan in the, in the late 1990s when the Taliban were in power last time. And in fact, I came into Kabul with them in 1996, the last time they took the city. And people are saying, you know, are the Taliban different? And is Taliban 2.0 different? And I would say in many ways it's worse. Um, it's yeah. much more much much more sophisticated as a communication strategy. So the press conferences and all this kind of thing at, at the top, and desperate desire to get international recognition. But what's going on, 
you know, behind that. And I'm get, I mean, I know a lot of people from Afghanistan. I'm getting messages on WhatsApp all the time from people I know saying they've lost all their papers, um, but you know, the, the, the Taliban are, are searching for them. Somebody I worked very closely with when I last worked um, as an advisor to President Ghani uh, three years ago, he just called me today from Delhi. Um, you know, looking for a way of getting to the West. And he just managed to get out to uh, to India uh, ahead of the Taliban who were looking for him. His neighbors oh, said God. that they're, 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 they're calling out, they're looking for your name. He had to leave his family behind. Oh, so, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty grim um, in Afghanistan at the moment. And, you know, the Taliban have taken over. And a lot of the mistakes, you know, I think you, you asked me about which American presidents, you know, Republicans or Democrats, made more mistakes. And I think it was it was pretty equal all round. I think we, you know I think there weren't enough troops at the beginning. Uh, I think there was a reliance on corrupt local militias, so we corrupted the country. And then there was this big moment in 2009 when uh, the Obama administration came in, and it was very striking seeing the three presidents who came in after Bush, each of them wanting to come in and in their first year wanting to get out of Afghanistan. And of course, you know in I, for, the, for my book, I talked to a lot of people in the White House in 2009 when the decisions were being made as to whether to lower troops or whether to go up to a surge, which is what ultimately happened under General Stan McChrystal. Mm -hmm. And the strongest voice in the room in all those conversations against putting more troops in, in fact, pulling them right down to the, to the minimum, was Joe Biden in all of the conversations. Right, and right. He, you know, he didn't, the language they used at the time was that they felt that they were being boxed in by the generals. And, you know, when he came into power now this year, he was going to pull out of Afghanistan, whatever it took. And it, it all goes back really to his experience in 2009. David, the, the only a big concern I have is that we left. Did we not enrich the Taliban with the greatest in weaponry, uh, the most current weaponry, the best? We left all that behind, did we not? Remarkable. Uh, I mean, there's always been an arsenal of weapons in Afghanistan, but right. now they've got they've got Humvees, they've got M16s, they've got uh, they've got a few a few small drones. Uh, they don't have any Reapers, but they've got some small drones, and and they've also got training. And if you look, uh, this is a sort of military buffs point, but if you look at all the pictures of the Taliban in the streets of Kabul, you know, or where they're in the presidential palace. They're all holding their weapons in the approved NATO style. They've been taught by British or American uh, um, people, uh, military trainers. You know, these are people who've probably been in the Afghan army at one point or another. Um, and they've all got this you know, very you know, particular, unlike Afghan Mujahideen in the past, who just kind of fire their Kalashnikovs into the air on the whole. Um, they're they're, they're well-trained and they've got a huge amount of equipment. And... Also, and this is the has been the problem of the Afghan war throughout, and this is where it's similar to Vietnam. They've throughout had a safe haven in a neighboring country that right. supported them. And of course, in Vietnam, that was North Vietnam. Here, it's Pakistan. Pakistan. A lot of the Taliban commanders are Pakistani. Um, they speak. In fact, this uh, the man I was talking about who, who's in India now, uh, his neighbors said that the people who, who'd come to, to find him were speaking in the accent that they know to be Pakistani Pashtuns. So they were, there's a lot of Pakistanis you know, fighting for the Taliban. And in a way, you know, the Afghans said for many years, um, uh, this is a foreign invasion. We're under a foreign invasion, meaning the Americans. Well, 
now they're under a foreign invasion. It's but it's from their neighbour from Pakistan. Right. And a lot of the a lot of the Afghans who we've stood up over the last twenty years really feel that. Can I ask a question? Can can you, David? Can you hear Michael? I can hear Michael. Can you hear me? Okay, excellent. Yeah, he can hear you, Michael. Go ahead. Okay. Um, two things. Uh, there's a there's a lot of uh, I don't know, memes or whatever saying about these tomahawks. Did, did they get a bunch of tomahawks, and did they have the ability to use them? And then second, how do we have any idea? Like, have Americans been killed? The number of people that have been killed recent, within the last couple of weeks with the with the pullout. I, I on the second one, I haven't heard of any Americans being killed, and I think I think we would have done. I mean, of course. There is an argument just in brackets that, that you know, there weren't, hadn't been any, any Americans killed for a couple of years. This was a very low-cost intervention for the last couple of years from, from America's point of view. Um, so I think, uh, I, I don't think there have been, Amer- I mean, there have been lots of people killed in the crush at the airport. It's terrible to right, try and right. get to the airport because there are hundreds of people coming who don't have any right to, to come. And, of course, it's a very frightening situation because... Um, Islamic State or other insurgent uh, groups who are not affiliated with the Taliban. This is a ripe target, the last time to hit American and British soldiers. Um, on the first point, I don't know. I haven't heard. Um, I would be surprised that there were cruise missiles inside Afghanistan. I, I don't think anyone's used them um, uh, from inside Afghanistan. And in fact, you know, their real value is, is crossing over large distances. They're not a sort of local tactical weapon. Um, Michael, you have another question? You're good to go? No, I just I just know I've seen there's a lot of talk about the Tomahawks and wanted to know about that. No, I, yeah, I, I, I that's I, a question. I have, this is I, all fascinating. I would be, I would be surprised, I, you know, so, uh, so I don't have, a, I don't have a, a straight answer. I've never seen, I've traveled a lot with American forces when they were, were, were partnering Afghan forces, and, I, and, I, and I've been in American bases, and I've never seen cruise missile launches or any, any, any sign of Tomahawks. We're talking to David Loyan, L-O-Y, and the book is called The, <laughs> the Long War, award-winning BBC Foreign. Oh, now we got to talk about David winning all these awards as a BBC Foreign Correspondent. Big shot. What do you think? <laughs> he just laughs. Uh, well, David Loyan uncovered. Well, yeah, they, they, they come with the territory if you, if you get into these. If you, I, they, I, they tend to come... I tended to win awards when I got somewhere. It was really about arriving somewhere and, and yeah. being there first. Um, you know, the reporting came. The, well, it, it, it was good to have them. Um, you know, they sit on the shelf. Well, it's quite an honor. Gathering, There's no gathering dust. No, no doubt about it. Three American presidents tried to defeat the Taliban by sending 150,000 international troops at the war's peak. With a trillion-dollar price tag, but early policy mistakes that allowed Osama bin Laden to escape made the task far more difficult. How did that happen, David? How did that was really striking? That yeah, was a really yeah. striking story. So, in the winter of uh, November 2001, again, Donald Rumsfeld was very keen to have the smallest number of troops, a light footprint, the smallest number of American troops on the ground, and he was trying to stand up local militias, Afghan militias, to fight. Um, accompanied by air power. So the only Americans on the ground were CIA special operators um, and, uh, and other, you know, other special forces. So when it came to late November and there was evidence that uh, Osama bin Laden had been tracked down to this Tora Bora mountain range, where um, he, which he built actually during the war against the Soviet Union 20 years ago, this cave complex in the mountains between Afghanistan and Pakistan. There was really good evidence he was there. 
And um, what's striking is that um, there were U.S. Marines on the ground um, in Afghanistan. There were a thousand U.S. Marines on an airfield near Kandahar. And there were um, uh, more than 3,000 available on ship that you could just get in at any time. And they were pumped up, well motivated after 9-11 and ready to go and get Osama bin Laden. And they were not used. And uh, it was, I mean, the, the, you know, their commanding officer was, was swearing at the, you know, he's, he's written about it himself. He was swearing at the, at the um, controllers in, in CENTCOM saying, look, I get these Marines in. But the, the mantra of let's, let's get Osama bin Laden just with local forces was strong. The two local militia commanders who were stood up on the ground, one was a kind of pot smoking um, uh, commander who the Americans had persuaded to pull some forces together to come into the battle. And the special forces on the ground couldn't get those Afghans to stay on the ground that they'd taken. They, they, they pull back every night. So sometimes leaving Americans exposed. Um, so they were really ill-disciplined. And they were quite closely allied with the local tribesmen who mm. Al-Qaeda were living among. So it was kind of quite difficult to get them to fight. And there was one night when they heard, um, they heard on walkie-talkies, on, on, you know, on local radio um, uh, voices, and they, it, somebody heard Osama bin Laden's voice, and it was completely tracked down to, to being him. And he was clearly, he was clearly hold, hold up. And the local commander was paid off by the Taliban and persuaded um, to have a ceasefire overnight. And it was during that ceasefire that Osama bin Laden escaped over the mountains, and despite huge attack, you know, the following in the following days. So even when it came to tracking down UBL, the the man who carried out the attacks on 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 America on 9/11, the idea that you would just do this with a very small number of troops um, was just remained intact in terms of, of of an American policy. So I think that was, you know, that was the Bush Rumsfeld mistake right at the beginning. And then they then they sort of there was also this this other line in their thinking, which was this sort of sense of American exceptionalism and democracy building and these kinds of things. So um, which was all uh, attached to what they were planning to do in Iraq. So in, during 2002, there was a sense that, well, perhaps we should put a few more troops in and we'll certainly put more aid in. And a billion dollars went in in aid in 2002, but of course there wasn't the infrastructure and these, these uh, rather corrupt individuals had been stood up, the militias who the Taliban had defeated in the past. So uh, that's where the corruption started. David, isn't so there it was amazing? a sort of mismatch. There was a mismatch both of aid and 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 the number of troops right. from 2001, 2002, which I think led to the reasons why this became the Long War. The title of my book, David. The amazing thing to me is, as I said, and look at these stories. I'm watching television or whatever it is. How simplistic this becomes with human beings. It doesn't matter where the human beings are. The whole Osama bin Laden thing started because Daddy didn't like him. Isn't that amazing? When you look at his history, Daddy didn't love him or like him enough, and that's what angered him, and the whole world had to be because he didn't have a good relationship with his father. Yeah, well, wasn't he one out of 50 sons or something? Well, I'm sure, yeah, like yeah. 50 sons, and Osama was number 50. It's hard to spread 50. the love around that evenly <laughs> when you have that many but, kids. But isn't it kind of scary that it's that simple, that mommy, there's a mommy problem or a daddy problem in every one of these? It's kind of scary when you look at it that way, isn't it? 
I never had the I never had the uh, the, the privilege of uh, of interviewing Osama bin Laden. I very very nearly did in the in the summer of, of 1997. He he was quite keen to do um, the BBC, and I was just moving I was just moving house at the time, and I, I pursued this you know for a while, but I didn't pursue it hard enough. And in fact, CNN CNN did do an interview that summer. Um, and it's one of, it's my biggest regret of my journalistic career that I didn't, you know, I didn't push. The foreign editor said, who is this Osama bin Laden guy? We're not, we're not going to spend money on sending you off wandering around Afghanistan again, Loin. So, um, uh, so I didn't, I didn't push it as hard as I could have done. So, but I mean, so was, I mean, you know, what, what was Osama bin Laden's problem with us? Um, you know, he, he, um, he, I don't know, it's the truth, it's the true answer. A lot of people have tried to write about right. where it all comes from. But there is this, there has been this long-term, you know, distrust, dislike of the West. And of course, after um, the Iraq war, which, you know, I, I was a was a much more difficult war to defend. I think going into Afghanistan in, in military terms, uh, in strength, was understandable and the correct thing for America to do back in, in 2001. Um, it was a very, it was striking how quick it was um, and it was striking how decisive it was and bringing down the Taliban, you know, by October, November. But then all of the mistakes that were made after that, the distraction of Iraq, the way that people moved away really from Afghanistan, they weren't going to do nation building and then ended up doing nation building, but but never doing it with the expectation that they would stay. The old thing about uh, Afghanistan, people used to say, you know, in 2009, say, they'd say, uh, well, it's year one for the eighth time. Um, because <laughs> yes. it was it was never, you know, it wasn't, you hadn't done eight years of, of, of progress by then. And and so there was a lot of rotation, there was a lot of churn of both soldiers and, and aid workers who, all, who were all on, often on 12-month uh, maximum um, timeline. So they needed to get money spent within 12 months. Um, it got better. It got better. There was a period, you know, 2010, 11, 12, there were more forces. General Petraeus did, you know, push for the right amount of, of, of troops to be there. But by then, the, the problem always was it was it was only going to be for a short time. I mean, Obama did put more troops in, but he put more troops in with a with a deadline. Now, you want you want an exit strategy. You know, people want the sense that one day this is going to end. But actually, you know, America put troops into into Germany in 1941. Um, uh, well, 1944, but they entered the Second World War in 1941. You're still there. <laughs> there are Korea. still American troops in Germany. Yeah. Uh, Korea, yeah. Korea, Korea, the same, you know, from from the early 50s to now. And actually, you know, 3,500 troops, which is what it was. And as a small component of an international force, remember, in, in last year, with around 10,000 international troops in Afghanistan, America was the smallest part of that. There were British troops, Turkish troops, German and Italian, uh, who were the principal groups in the north, the west, and, and, and in the center. And, you know, that was a sustainable commitment by the United States. Um, but it was very much um, President Trump's desire to, to pull everything out, and he did what's a really bad deal. Um, it wasn't really a deal. It was just a, a withdrawal statement that, that, that America would withdraw by such and such a date without really getting any commitment with much in return from, from the Taliban. Um, and we are where we are today. We are indeed, David. A great interview. I need, we need a personal favor from you, David, if you could. 
I'll do anything for you. You're <laughs> wonderful. This is a family podcast. My wife is here, Catherine, our son Andy, and our daughter Alex. So if you could reach out, Andy and Alex in college had a roommate from Wales named Becky. She's so if not you could, from Wales. But she lives in Wales now. <laughs> she doesn't. No, she's from West Country, but she's not from Wales. Well, no. She, she told me the last... She's never lived in Wales. No, she's from Gloucester. She's from Gloucester. She was born in Gloucestershire. She's never lived in Wales. Last time I talked to her, she said she was moving sure. to Wales. Sure. It's no. Near, it's near Wales. It is it's very near Wales. Where does John live? They live together in Gloucester. See, I try to do him a favor, David, and you see how I get attacked. See that? Yeah. Just... Hello, Becky. <laughs> Wherever the hell you are. David, you're the best in a way. Somewhere please, in the UK. Please come back soon. The book is called The Long War. Award-winning BBC foreign correspondent David Loyne uncovers the political and military strategies and failures that prolonged America's longest war. Uh, David, you're a terrific guest. Thank you so much for, for being spot on with this entire argument. Thank you, sir. Tom, it's been great to be on the program. Thank you, sir. Have a great day. Bye now. Bye. He was terrific. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. I, we could do an entire two hours <laughs> he with was a, him. I don't usually let people talk for 32 minutes straight. But <laughs> I know. I really had so good. many questions, but I had to just shut up and let him talk. Because Why don't you ask him a question? Because uh, we would have gone on for another hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk, like, I think another hour just on like how he feels about oh. not being able to interview Osama bin Laden. Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. What he, Ends up becoming. And how about he just called me and said, I just saw Becky in Wales. See? <laughs> so, I told so the truth comes out, Becky in Wales. It's actually hilarious because I text messaged her when we started this interview and I was like, we have a guest on the podcast. And we were told that he was calling from London, but he's actually from Wales. And she and I have a running joke that I say that Sporty Spice from the Spice Girls is from Wales, which right. she is not. She's not. And it makes right. her really, really mad. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, I almost asked him, are you Sporty Spice's neighbor? She was laughing. Spice from Gloucester? Or? No, she's from like, America. Becky care that. No, they're she's from England, like London-ish, or like no, because she's not even from London. Most but British people have like their like, territorial, from here, yeah, mm -hmm. and yeah, and so being like, oh, it's like she's Minnesota from Wales, versus right? Wisconsin, kind of situation, yeah. Kind of. yeah, and so it makes her really mad. Oh. And then I just text messaged her. Tommy just asked him to say hi to you because you live in Wales. <laughs> She's going to be like, what? She'll get, hey, it's like living in North Dakota, South Dakota, or Minnesota. What the hell's the difference? Right. Yeah. We do have to take a break here. Yes. Is Michael still with us? Yep. Okay, well, why don't we take a break, be right back, and we'll talk to Michael about what's going on. Uh, we got about 12 minutes to go right And why, why preschoolers make terrible witnesses. Yeah. Oh, yes, we definitely do. We'll talk to Michael Brown about preschoolers being bad witnesses. Thank God. Tom Bernard talking with Brad Huckle and Michael Bilski of North American Banking Company. We've talked a few times over the years about how North American Banking Company has helped local businesses when they're ready for expansion. We love talking about the success of our customers. One example is suburban manufacturing in Monticello. They create innovative products that produce clean, dry air that is needed during the manufacturing process. We recently helped them expand their business. Moving into a new building gave them the space they needed to add new equipment and production lines. We were able to step in quickly and provide the financing they needed when they needed it. When we help businesses like Suburban Manufacturing with their expansion, it's beneficial for our customers, but their growth also creates new jobs in our community. So they make stuff that produces clean, dry air for manufacturing after working with Bilski. Do they breathe easier with their business felt? We certainly hope so, Tommy, and that's no hot air. Nice one. Why not bank with my banker? North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, and equal housing lender. 
Listen up, drivers. Are you doing the same thing every day, driving the same hours, making the same money? Well, stop and listen. Priority Courier Experts has a wide range of driving opportunities available right now. So if you're a professional driver or determined to become one, we can show you the benefits of partnering with Priority. Hey, Forrest, can you tell the good drivers of the Twin Cities which vehicles Priority has available in their lease-to-own program? Well, I'd really like my friend Bubba to help me with this. Forrest, we have dock trucks, tractor-trailer trucks, flatbed trucks, curtain-side dock trucks, flatbed Moffat trucks, Ford Transit and Transit Connect Vans trucks. Hey, Forrest, shouldn't we have a shrimp truck? Bubba? I think you're on to something there. There you have it. Every kind of vehicle you could imagine, all doing same-day deliveries in town. Call Priority right now, and we'll get you on the road. Priority Courier Experts. Every time you call us, we deliver. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Michael Bryant is with us. Gallivanting. Catherine Gallivanting. needs to talk to, to Michael Bryant about what uh, defending her in court. Yes, yes. False accusations. Defamation of character. <laughs> Michael, you with us still? I am here. Excellent. Now, Catherine, you have a question for Michael Bryant. Yeah, I mean, t- preschoolers make terrible witnesses, I'm guessing. Who, who are we talking about? Are we talking about Sage and Fawn? Yes. <laughs> Sage, Sage okay, told well, Tom Sage, that I punched Sage him. Sage has incredible... Sage has incredible taste, so I think he is, you know, he's probably very credible. Oh, ah, call okay. Michael Bryant. Oh, my God. We were That's why. He's got a lawyer. He's got a lawyer, lawyer on the line. Oh, my God. Yeah. We were, go. we were at dinner on Wednesday last week, and Michael Bryant calls Dad in the middle of dinner, and he was like, oh, he's why is he calling me? I wondered. I was like, who is it? And it was my dad was like, Michael Bryant. And, and Sage goes, oh, yeah. I love when Michael Bryant calls you. <laughs> he does. He gets so excited. I wonder what that's based on. He gets so excited when he hears your name. Well, I think it's just name familiar. Because I remember being really young and you talking about all the people like at KQ, you know, like. Oh, yeah. You'd bring up like, uh, you know. Yell fan or Whoever the people on the show were or your general manager or the program director. Right. And I just got familiar with these names. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's like kids, they love familiarity above all else. Wow, that's true. And so. he's met Michael Bryant. He's yeah. met Michael Bryant. Talk he's Michael Bryant He's heard Mike's name so he many times. He still gets excited. Even yeah. though he met him, he still <laughs> likes him? Somehow. <laughs> so, what happened was, is that uh, I was doing the buzz buzz thing with, with uh, you know, the thing you go with your lips on their neck. and it's Yeah, yes. raspberries. So, mm-hmm. Sagey's going to do it to me. Leans over and bites me right on my right cheek. I got a huge uh, bruise on my right cheek. Yeah, and teeth marks. And then, so he lays his head down on my lap. Yesterday, we took him to the Golden Valley Pool yesterday. He lays his head on my lap, and he goes, Pop up, I'm sorry that I bit you. I said, no, you shouldn't nice. have bitten me. There's no question about it, and I love you very much. And he goes, Nana punched me. <laughs> <laughs> Nana punched me. Nana punched me. <laughs> Yeah, you know, if if she punched you or you punched me, you would have knocked him out. So, no, that probably didn't happen. Unbelievable. Oh, God, I thought it was hilarious. That is very unlikely. So what do you want to do? Not impossible, but Uh, I like it. I am hopefully 
hopefully coming to an end of my little journey is what I'm hoping. <laughs> oh, is that tonight or tomorrow, you think? Uh, I'm supposed to fly back tomorrow, hopefully, if everything comes together today. So. Well, it's looking good so far for you. Now, you're in a nice area down there. You'd be able to join it or are you just working like a madman? I walked down to the beach and looked at the beach for like a minute and a half and turned around and walked back and got back to doing what I'm doing. So, oh, boy. Um, a nice I got day. a minute and a half to stare at the water. So <laughs> Nice. Well, yeah, well that's, now you stare at the water for a minute and a half, uh, so everything else is good. Mm-hmm. So what do you think of this whole situation? I, I thought David Loyne was a terrific guest. I thought he was really, oh, really very Great no- guest. Very I would have blown Kostaki, me, and Tevin out and gone for two hours with him. <laughs> <laughs> Just give it. Tevin got the hook. <laughs> I didn't realize that Kevin would get the get the hook there. But no, I uh, I find it fascinating. And the thing about it is, uh, you know, Michael, we've talked about this before that that this whole situation in Afghanistan, there were two Republicans and two Democrats as president, the 20 year run, and not one of them did a good job with it. None of the four of them did. No, but, but I, I, I'm not, I'm not sure there's a good job to be done there. You know, I, I mean, who, who knows? I mean, I, the, the different, I, I, I can't sit and look at any of what's happened and say, you know, this was really the point it made a difference or that's the point it made a difference. It, it, there's a group that wants the Taliban in charge. There's a group that doesn't want them in charge. I, it, it's the problem you run into when you try to run another country long distance. It's right. impossible. And, and, you know, I mean, We'll we'll see, and and this administration made the decision. They did it, and it'll come with the consequences. It does, you know. Same way, you know. Same way we had with the Kurds, you know, two, three years ago. Yeah. You know, and the question was, what was going to happen there, and was it all going to blow up? And I hope it doesn't. You know, I I asked the question if Americans were killed, not because I only care about Americans. It's just that you know, you see so many things about. This is happening there. That's happening there, and some of them just simply aren't true. Yeah, um, right. and some of it is true, and the choices have been made, and and we'll you know we'll live with it as we do. Unfortunately, well, to me, it's like if the country still wasn't stable after twenty years of the world's most powerful yeah. military, it was never going to become stable. This right. was going to happen at some point. You know, the the rug had to be pulled out at some point. It doesn't matter who did it yeah. or when. And- it had to be done. And we've made deals with countries like Pakistan and Saudi Arabia that apparently just continuously stab us in the back. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, you know, I mean, how much have we done in those countries? And then we find out that they're harboring the, the Taliban. And you know, I I just think the one hardest thing we're they're going to find is it's very hard to run things. <laughs> and so, yeah. so it's, it's it's like a minority party getting sudden control. They find out it's not easy to suddenly be in charge, and we'll see what it's like for the Taliban. Unfortunately, they kill a lot of people when they do it, which is the which is the horrible part of it. Um, but um, you know, I think they'll find out that this isn't easy to do, and then it'll go from there. No, I, I gotta I gotta figure this whole situation out because I couldn't we have gotten some of that weaponry out of there before we did it. Well, that's the whole thing. Well, I mean, I, they, yeah. Biden defunded the entire Air Force right. uh, a year ago. Well, not a year I ago. I mean, no, I'm sorry. Six <laughs> How mo- could he six have done months it a year ago? ago? As soon as he took <laughs> office, he def- defunded <laughs> it. Yeah. Well, seven, eight, seven months ago. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, I eight mean, months. at that point when he knew 
that he wanted to get out, then you tell Americans, you need to get out of here. Yeah. Go. Yeah. Well, right. Go like right David now. David was saying, if he had done that, then it would have caused panic, seeing right. all the Americans oh, being evacuated. This didn't cause any right. panic. Well, but, yeah, that's the thing. There's it's no like, panic now. He caused you know, panic before or after the evacuation. Well, it would, have saved, it would have saved a lot of trouble for a lot of people. Yeah, and it you really would think, would've. like, the, on the list of things to grab on your way out the door, like, all yeah. of the... Yeah. Tech and weapons would be pretty high on exactly. that. Exactly. Disable, disable the yep. arms. You know, just do some smart. Yeah, I mean, you can thing. destroy them. Absolutely. It's, that's not that you don't have to like evacuate everything on a Chinook. You can just throw it into a you know a giant crucible and melt it all down. Well, and they got they got iris scanners. They've got people's. They have people's bio. IDs. It's like, what else could you screw up? I mean, this is bad. This isn't just a we wanted to get. I think most people, most Americans, no matter what side of the fence you're on, wanted to get out of Afghanistan. Yeah. I think well, yeah. True. I really do. But the manner in which it was uh, implemented was just an absolute yeah. shitstorm. I'm sorry. It feels like they were almost caught off guard that, like, this happened. Like yeah. they had to, with all the intelligence that they had. Yeah, it's and like you got sources. twelve hours to get the hell out. Yeah, you'd think they had a yeah. little bit more it's, of a heads up than obviously the general public. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they feel like they were just. No, I don't think they did. And in true American fashion, everything on Twitter, top ten, top trending, top trending has been Afghanistan, Afghanistan, Afghanistan. Now, how many yeah. days are we into it? Couple of weeks doesn't even show up on the top feeds. Oh, no. <laughs> really? Like, oh yeah. Now it's all. Mo- hmm? it's, it's now FDA uh, oh, yeah. approves. Blah blah blah. Oh, Pfizer, yeah. Pfizer. My, mine is all red. Mine is all red socks. Okay. Red socks. <laughs> oh God, here we <laughs> I go. It depends on what. You, I wonder. It depends on what you're looking at I, as far as I, trends go. No, I, but I, I mean that's you, that's you run that algorithm. That's what is uh, amazing to me, though. It's like you know, we are very mm-hmm. good at don't look at this big old pile of oh, shit yeah. over oh, here. Yeah. Look at this that. shiny new yep. ice cream cone that we're going to give you over yep. here. Oh, well, this, okay. This really does sum up the American uh, American society right now. What's happening on Twitter? Trending. Spider-Man No Way Home, <laughs> Fight Club, and comedy legend Molly Shannon opens up about the tragedy. Who? Molly Shannon? Shannon. So, yeah, it's, it's a bunch of, like, inane entertainment what crap. What to Molly Shannon? No, I, know. I don't know. Probably something stupid. Yeah, they use, they have, use a headline just to click on a story. <laughs> Although I have a question. Oh, actually, it's not stupid. Someone I, in her family died. Oh, that's too bad. Who died? Uh, is she the Why one that it? used to smell her fingers all the time? Yeah, she, she was, was a superstar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah she was a oh, superstar okay. on yeah. Saturday Night Live. She would always smell her fingers, yeah. which was pretty funny. It was really weird. <laughs> yeah, she always played. She'd put that. her hands under under. Like that one nervous. soccer coach, who's the German soccer coach that always like will scratch his backside or front side or under places and under his fingers. But yeah. he does like in the game, like really? all in the middle of the floor. Like, it's like, dude, there's cameras. <laughs> Focus up, guy. Mm. Yeah, she was it's also true. in a show. She's been in a million things. Yeah, she has. Yeah, she, I mean, but she was. Like it was a pretty big one, but I can't Will and Grace. She was yeah. crazy. She always neighbor. plays a crazy yes. person, yeah, pretty she much. Does. She sure does. Yeah. God, Probably was... a little typecasting yeah. going on there. I'm not sure. Well, yeah. Hey, man. <laughs> well, I tell you, Cassie's having a big week. She got David Loyne. He was phenomenal. Tomorrow we got Paul Anka. He'll be terrific. Oh, he's coming Finally. on. Finally. Oh, the yeah. dog? Yep, Gilmore. the dog. Yes. And then. <laughs> Michael uh, Rappaport and Adam Carolla are going to be on for both hours on Wednesday. Well, my goodness. 
I'll see if that happens, though. Yeah, I, I know mean. Both of those guys, I really think the world of both of them is like, really? You're going to be on for it's two hours? hours or, yeah. Yeah. I don't know about that I one. think when they come on, we should pretend we don't know who they are. <laughs> now, wait a minute. Michael Carolla and Adam Rappaport do <laughs> the wrong Adam Carolla name. Is, he, They'll just hang up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. He ne- is he the com- Never mind. Oh, so you Different don't guy. actually know who Different he guy. is. Different guy. Like he the is biggest a comedian. Yeah. Was he the guy that did the car show? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so great story. He came to the House of Comedy when I was working at the House of Comedy, driving him to your show down when you guys were above Acme. Oh, and right, there was a parking yeah. spot that, like, and obviously he's, like, expert driver guy. Yeah. And so there was, like, a parking spot that was, like, I thought was just big enough where I could, like, pull in normal oh, instead no. of having to parallel park and he <laughs> wasn't big enough and so now he's just staring at me shaking his head for like three <laughs> minutes as i'm trying to finesse my way into this parking spot i, I love like, this is the worst experience ever I'm like we're just not going to talk about this yeah just close your eyes think of something else. we'll ask that. him if he remembers that day i'm sure uh, he does I hope not. <laughs> we shall see michael you're gonna stick with us in the second hour or do you have to go no, I think I'm going to go spring the person I got to get out. <laughs> no, I'm going to uh, go deal with that. Okay, go spring him, Mr. Lawyer. Thanks, Michael. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Devin, I have to ask you a question, very quick question mm-hmm. here, right? We're just schmoozing on the morning show this morning. I won't even identify who said this, whatever, but I, I said... I mean, you could find it out very easily. They're trying really, yeah, you can find it out very easily. They're trying really, really hard to make money off of our racial differences in this country. You've noticed that. Oh, yeah. Uh, just making as much money okay. as they possibly can. Like, and I pointed out, uh, it's laughable. There are no white men in commercials anymore. There yeah, just aren't no, any. there really aren't. Unless they're yeah. idiots. If they're idiots, then they can be in it, right? Or they're married to a black woman. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, that's yeah, really rare. Like they yeah, don't usually get to talk. But here's the part <laughs> that I usually like taking out the trash. I'm like, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly it. There, here's this, the old line, and I think it's one of the most racist lines I've ever heard, but the woke don't think so. I asked the question. I said, so like every commercial now, it's a black man married to a white woman, or if there's a white guy in it, he's a moron. Mm-hmm. And I said, what do you think of that? And this person replied, I don't see color. Hmm. That's, that's a, I doubt I, that. Why the do they say that? Like, people have said that. I hate <laughs> that so much. Yeah, I mean, who else would say I that? I don't see color. It was Candace that said that. I, like, I do. <laughs> well, but that was a racist thing to say just you like two colors? years ago. You hate exactly. it? Yeah. Yeah. It's racist I to don't say see color that. was what you were supposed to say in like the 90s. Yeah. And then it became racist, so now it's not racist again. Now it's correct ag- again. Because then you're ignoring. Uh, right. Yeah, exactly. Well, you notice that it, racism exists. Mm-hmm. Everybody notices and differences right. about and it's everybody. Like, yeah. Okay, like you're you're colorblind. Like everybody, whether you like it or not, well, yeah. that's the first thing you notice about a person when you yeah, see it. What, what they look like. What they look like. Not that you care. No. Or no. hair, hair color. Not that you care. It's yeah. just that's, that's what you notice. Clothes, yeah, right. t-shirt color. Like it's not. And I I literally was going to deliver the old Tommy Chong line, and I thought, no, this would get really uncomfortable. Because I was going to say, God, every time I turn on the TV, I do the Tommy Chong thing. Oh, look, a colored guy. Remember when he did that? <laughs> no. he, oh, Cheech and Chong are going down the street, and a black guy walks across the street, and Tommy Chong goes, oh, look, a colored guy. When's the last time you heard colored guy? Uh, person of color is basically the oh, same thing. So. Well, it is, yeah. You know collard greens? Collard greens, yeah. Uh, oh, colored somebody greens. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Colored, colored greens. greens. They're greens for colored. You know, the colored greens were fantastic. 
Well, that's, that's a line from The Office. Uh, they can't be called collared greens because you don't call them collared people. Collared people, yeah, he, that's right. Michael said you don't call them collared people. Oh my yeah. God. <laughs> what he did another one of those. What, what was the other one he oh, did? Oh, he was just. Well, he did a million of those, the, but the Mexican one. Oh yeah. Oh, and then the hate crime. Is one. there something less offensive I can call you than Mexican? <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> I mean, just it's, see now that's funny. It is funny. That's stupid. Oh, that's like, yeah. I can't remember what comedian it was. But it was a local local God, comedian that, that had funny? a bit where he talked about like going to a, like the SA gas station. And he was like, "No, you can't call them that." And like, "No, I'm talking about the gas station, like the Super America." Mm-hmm. Never mind. Yeah. That's it. Uh, what? I lost it. <laughs> I don't know Never what mind. you're saying. Lost it. You lost it? <laughs> I was <laughs> waiting. I'm waiting for you oh, to get it back. Yeah, of... like he's like, oh, yeah, we went down to the essay down the street. Yeah. And they're like, hey, you can't call them that. He's like, no, we're talking about going to the gas station. Super America. Oh, Super America. S-A. Yeah. That's hilarious. God. No, hey, go down to my essay and get some. Yeah. Yeah. Collard greens. That's all I have to Some say. Some collard greens. <laughs> we will be back. Kostaki Economopolis. Oh, great. Here comes another Greek. Another I just thought I'd... I'd, I'd I thought I'd Greeks. Another, another person It's actually Kostaki's contract. There can't be any other Greeks yeah, on the no show. Yeah, no other Greeks on the show while I'm there. Per episode. We'll be back with hour two.